Atlanta's number one radio stations. Swanky 93.3 and The Heat 94.6. Radio stations has you covered. From our studios to our newsroom at KLP Entertainment. Listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube and more. Live from our newsrooms brings back our hit news network, SNN, with many news anchors like Arthur Brooks, Addison Hayden, and Beatrix Gemma. Brings you stories about the news worldwide. Tune in on Atlanta's number one stations, Swanky 93.3 and The Heat 94.6 radio stations. To get the latest news today, listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our channel of KLP Entertainment. Reporting live from our newsroom, this is SNN. I'm Addison Hayden. Here's your business news breaking for March 21st. Inside the three months that could cost Fox $1.6 billion. The decision by Fox News executives in November 2020 to treat the more hard-right Newsmax as a mortal threat spawned a possibly more serious danger. Since 2002, when Fox News first overtook CNN as the most-watched cable news channel, one thing has been as certain and predictable as its dominance. Every time a Democrat wins the White House, the right-leaning network's ratings take a momentary dip. That happened after the election of President Biden in 2020, too. But the reaction inside Fox was far different than before. There was panic. From the chairman of Fox Corporation on down, executives scrambled as they tried to keep viewers tuned in, believing they were facing a crisis. Now, because of the decisions made after former President Donald J. Trump's loss, Fox News is reckoning with a threat that could prove far more serious. A $1.6 billion defamation sued from Dominion Voting Systems claims Fox knowingly spread false information about the role of the firm's election technology in a made-up conspiracy to flip votes. On Tuesday, the two sides will present oral arguments before a judge in Delaware State Court as they prepare for a trial next month. Fox has insisted that it wasn't presenting claims about Dominion as fact but was reporting and opining on them as any news organization would. As part of the suit, Dominion obtained thousands of internal Fox emails and text messages and deposed dozens of Fox employees. That evidence shows in extraordinary detail how the network lost its way in the weeks after the election. Here is a timeline of that fateful period, as told in court filings. Some of these exchanges have been lightly condensed for clarity. On election day, Fox News was riding high. A draft of an internal memo written by the executive who oversees advertising for the network, Jeff Collins, described the sales records the channel had just set. But a few days later, when Mr. Biden was declared the president-elect by all the major news organizations, including Fox, viewership started to fall. The company's top executives, including Rupert Murdoch, the chairman of Fox Corporation, and Suzanne Scott, the chief executive of Fox News Media, noticed. 
A half hour later, Ms. Scott forwarded the email to Jay Wallace, the president of Fox News. She described her recent discussion with Mr. Murdoch and his son Lachlan, the chief executive of Fox Corporation, about how the network could begin to regroup post-Trump, a week after the election, a consensus quickly hardened inside the network. It could not continue to lose viewers to a much smaller right-wing cable news rival, Newsmax. Dana Perino, a Fox News host and former spokeswoman for President George W. Bush, texted Colin Reed, a Republican strategist, about the worry brewing. Another host, Tucker Carlson, texted with his producer, Alex Pfeiffer, about the fact that viewers were angry that Mr. Carlson had ignored allegations of voter fraud that night in his broadcast, a subject that Newsmax had been hammering. Around the same time, there was also concern that some of what Fox hosts and guests were alleging on the air might be wrong. Fox Business's senior vice president of programming, Gary Schreier, wrote to a group of Fox executives to alert them about an unfounded rumor that the Fox business host Lou Dobbs had just floated on the air. Mr. Schreier was evidently concerned it could become a public relations headache. Quickly, the shows that peddled false information began to see a lift in ratings. Mr. Schreier texted his boss at Fox Business, Lauren Pettersen, about the viewership for Sunday Morning Futures, the political talk show hosted by Maria Bartiromo. But at the same time, the two executives appeared concerned that Dominion's side of the story wasn't being told on Mr. Dobbs's show or Ms. Bartiromo's. When Rudolph W. Giuliani and Sidney Powell, members of Mr. Trump's legal team, held a news conference and spouted elaborate conspiracy theories about stolen votes, Kristen Fisher, a correspondent who covered the White House for Fox News, reported on it for the network. Her report was full of fact checks and highly skeptical, too skeptical for her higher-ups at Fox. Shortly after she got off the air, she received an angry call from her boss, Brian Borton. She described it at length in her deposition. A few weeks after her coverage of the event, Ms. Fisher texted a colleague to complain that she had effectively been pulled off the air ever since. Three producers who oversee Sean Hannity's 9pm program, Robert Samuel, Ron Mitchell and Tiffany Fazio, texted one another, saying privately what a disaster the news conference had been. At the same time, they saw how popular the fraud narrative was with their audience. Mr. Dobbs, whose program uncritically spread some of the most outlandish claims about Dominion, privately expressed doubts about the veracity of Ms. Powell's accusations. He shared them with his producer, John Fawcett, who said he also wasn't sure Ms. Powell could back up what she was saying, including about Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. Still, Mr. Dobbs continued to invite her on his show. Ms. Bartiromo's Sunday Morning Futures was another consistent source of falsehoods about Dominion. She and her producer, Abby Grossberg, texted at length about the fraud allegations and how they resented the pressure they were getting from certain executives to shift course. At one point, she and Ms. Grossberg discussed the interview that Ms. Bartiromo had just conducted with Mr. Trump. Ms. 
Bartiromo asked Ms. Grossberg if she should have also asked the president about his plans for a smooth transition. Then the two make disparaging comments about the head of weekend programming at Fox, David Clark, who had been critical about the Trump interview. Mr. Clark has emerged as one of several Fox executives who started raising concerns about the network's coverage of unfounded voter fraud allegations. Late in the afternoon on the day of the attack on the U.S. Capitol, with the halls only recently cleared of rioters, Mr. Trump called into Mr. Dobbs's program and wanted to go on the air. Fox executives said no, their starkest action yet indicating how recklessly they believed the president was behaving. Ms. Pedersen, the president of Fox Business, home to Mr. Dobbs's show, explained why in her deposition. After the January 6 riot at the Capitol, even the most ardent Trump defenders like Mr. Hannity told their colleagues at Fox that they were appalled, the court filings show. Executives discussed yet another pivot for the network, this time firmly away from Mr. Trump. Some of the most extensively documented disdain for Mr. Trump inside Fox came from the chairman himself, Rupert Murdoch. Repeatedly, the documents show, he expressed scorn for Mr. Trump and disgust at the direction that the president had led the Republican Party, which he said in his deposition was destroying itself at the altar of Trump. In one email on Inauguration Day, Mr. Murdoch wrote, More on SNN Sports News, I'm Arthur Brooks, reporting live from our newsroom at KLP Entertainment Headquarters. NFL Draft is deadline for Packers, Jets to complete Aaron Rodgers' trade. NFL insider Ian Rappaport pointed to the NFL Draft as a deadline date for a trade to be executed. It's actually the Jets and the Packers that are now negotiating and trying to figure this out, Rappaport told the Pat McAfee show. And I'm I'm trying to look at like where this goes. And, you know, deadlines are always what drives these these things. Like there is a real possibility this rolls right up until the draft because that's the only deadline. It's about 2023 draft picks. And like when you actually have to use them is the deadline. McAfee recalled, draft night trades involving the Philadelphia Eagles trading for A.J. Brown and the Baltimore Ravens trading away Marquise Hollywood Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. The Packers want picks and would presumably like to use them in the 2023 NFL Draft to bolster their roster ahead of the season, instead of delaying using those assets for a year. Rodgers made it clear he intends to play for the Jets in 2023, and if a trade doesn't get executed then there will be an interesting standoff and dilemma. And Chicago Bears fans would bust out the popcorn. ESPN's Adam Schefter has previously said that the Packers and Jets aren't close to completing a trade. There are conflicting reports about what the Packers are demanding. Early last week, ESPN's Adam Schefter said the Packers were looking for multiple first-round picks. Then NFL Network's Tom Pelissero said the Packers aren't looking for multiple first-round picks. Schefter double-downed on the multiple first-round picks this past Thursday, but clarifying it's what has been discussed inside the Packers building but not formally requested. 
When you look at the landscape of what other quarterbacks in recent trades in recent years have fetched, it has been a lot, Schefter said. What did the Broncos give up for Russell Wilson? Multiple ones. What are the Rams give up for Matthew Stafford? Multiple ones. Not every quarterback has been traded for a package like that, but those conversations have occurred in the Packers building. Never said the Packers asked for that. But they've talked about that as an organization. And now the question is, what can they realistically extract from the Jets? Schefter, as he did earlier in the week, pointed to the Packers-Jets trade for Brett Favre, which included a conditional fourth-round pick. But he frames it as the Jets' perspective on value in the trade. The Jets would think that that's closer to the value that should be paid for a 39-year-old quarterback who's on a year-to-year -year basis who, oh, by the way, also has a $110 million in guaranteed money due to him over the next two years, Schefter said. So if they're taking on that money, and they would restructure the contract, then that should lower the compensation, not increase it. So both sides have their claims. But if the Packers are thinking multiple first-round picks, despite not asking for it, and the Jets are thinking a single, conditional day three pick, clearly the sides are far apart. Schefter even said it could fall apart because both sides are dug in on their asks. That will do it for our SNN news breaking for March 21st. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our channel of KLP Entertainment. Reporting live from our newsroom, I'm Arthur Brooks live from SNN.